So welcome back to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. So welcome back, everyone. Hey, it's 2019. Happy New Year. I hope you had a great uh, sort of break and had a bit of rest. Uh, I know Mark and I did. We got away a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, it was fantastic and uh, recharged, ready for a uh, big 2019. Absolutely. So, we're back with some more stories for you, uh, stories that you can use uh, to build up that repertoire and 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 really tell anywhere in, in, in a business setting. And one of the things I'm really keen for us to do this year, Mark, is get a few more interviews from different people, um, you know, our customers who are having, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, making great progress with their business storytelling. So that is on its way. But let's jump straight into the story, right? Now, Mark, I believe you've got uh, one for us. Why don't you set it up and kick it off? Okay. So today's story is uh, is one that's taken from a movie. Uh, in this case, it's the 2016 movie, uh, Hidden Figures. It, the movie's directed by Theodore Melfi, and it's a historical story, but it's... It, it's not historically accurate. There are some... They, they've taken some poetic license with well, some bits of the that's story. that's most right? movies, if it, unless it's a documentary, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about one thread from the movie. And the context is that it's the early 1960s and NASA are involved in the space race with the Russians and putting a lot of effort into getting spaceships into orbit around Earth and getting them safely back. NASA had a research centre in Langley and there was a, a team of people who did the calculations, manual calculations of flight trajectory, re-entry speeds, heat absorption, all this very, very complicated. They invented mathematic, some mathematical approaches to, to deal with some of the stuff. stuff. Yeah. And the, the, this was a team of, of African-American women. And they were, they were expert mathematicians performing all these complex cal calculations supporting the, the space program. Now, so they're pretty smart. Right? They're Clearly. pretty smart people. Clearly, yes. Now, it's not the best working environment. They're, they're working in a, a gender and a racially segregated working environment. So um, there's also a lot less opportunities for advancements uh, for the African-American women. And for example, uh, this team of computers, and they called them computers. Well, the people actually doing the, the calculations. The, the women who were doing the calculations. Oh, I'm a computer. They're human computers. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that the, the, the head of the group is a lady called Dorothy Vaughan. And I say head of the group. She's the unofficial head because, because she's African-American woman. She's not being formally appointed to the supervisor role. Um, so this team's doing their work, been doing it for, for a few years. They're really good at it. But in those early 1960s, it's the early days of computers, and NASA installed a brand new IBM mainframe computer. Uh huh. Put it into its own room, and in those early days, no one knew what a computer was, no one knew how it worked. And so they had some IBM technicians who were in there playing with it, getting it set up. And, and Dorothy saw this, and Dorothy saw that that computer as she learned more about it, because she would, she just went and talked to the technicians and was talking about what can it do, etc. And she realized after a little while that this computer was going to replace her entire team. Yeah. And so all the, the manual calculations that they did would be done automatically by this, by this machine. She saw that her team, her world, uh, were about to be disrupted. But she didn't tell anyone. She just kept it to herself. And what she did is she just learned as much as she could about the machine. 
she was the only one who who, who initially was able, able to figure out how to turn it on, for example. Yeah, well, that's a good start, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> she was playing with it after hours, again, talking to the technicians, and she realized that it was it had a programming language that enabled it to, to use its, its computing power, and that language was Fortran. Now, I know you and I know Fortran because that was your first computing language, I understand. Scarily, yes. Yes, yes, I actually learned... Basic first, and then COBOL. Uh, I never graduated to uh, to Fortran. Thank goodness. So Dorothy sees that she's about to be disrupted, as is all the members of her team, and she decides to do something about it. She decides to learn how to program in Fortran. So she goes to the local library, and she goes. She looks for the for a book on programming, and the library did have a book on programming Fortran, but she wasn't allowed to borrow it because it was in the whites only section. Get out. Yeah. So she stole it, stuck it in a jumper, walked out, teaches herself uh, how to program in Fortran, practices after hours on the on the IBM machine, and gets it working. Starts figuring out how to do some basic stuff, and it's kind of good. So she teaches herself how to program in Fortran. And I don't know about you, but like that's that's no small thing. Exactly. It's no small thing learning Fortran from a book with no one to show you how to do it. She becomes sufficiently uh, competent that she teaches her team how to program in Fortran. And sometime later, NASA realized that they needed a programming team to run this monstrosity of a machine that they've, they've invested in. And they didn't have a team, of course, until Dorothy put up her hand and said, oh, you do have a team. These computers, you know, the human computers, they are your programming team. They all know how to program in Fortran. And... So she became the supervisor of the brand new NASA programming team and 30 of her, her human computers of her team became the programming team for the IBM mainframe. And so she, by taking initiative, essentially saved her team from disruption. Wow. That's great. I love that story. That's lovely. I did love that movie. You know, I, it was just a cracker of a movie. If you haven't seen it, get out and see Hidden Figures. I'm sure you can get it on uh, iTunes or something like that. Yeah, because and this this thread here is this is only one of the threads. Yeah, it's about three women, right? The exactly. Three, three, three of these maths brilliant people. So yeah. uh, it's fantastic. Great. Okay, so uh, let's think about that that story. You know what. What are the things in that story that really make it work? Yeah, the th- right. yeah. How do? Why does it work? And yeah. What makes it good? Well, I'm going to start with thinking about one of the limitations of using that story, right? And that is that Hidden Figures is not a hugely well-known movie. It's not like Star Wars, you know, uh, sure, that sort of thing, where everybody knows the plot line and you can just say when Obi Wan Kenobi gets killed. Yeah. Right? Pretty, you know, most people uh, have got a lot of people have got a, a good idea of, of what that is. You might need because Hidden Figures is not as well known. You might need to give a bit more detail. You need to have more background. Yes. With very very well known movies, you can pretty much leap straight into the action. Yeah, yeah. I think I think one of the other really strong parts of it's a real story. You know, it's actually happened. So you're recounting a little bit of history, a little slice of history. But you know, like any sort of history, it's so nice when you can bring it down to one specific person facing one specific situation and how they overcome it. I mean, it's got those elements there is a there's definitely a obstacle for her to overcome yeah and you know we know that that makes for a better story right yeah yeah the, the high stakes thing yes um I, I think the other thing which i love about it is that it's not just about her 
It's actually her helping her team as well. I mean, yeah, she clearly, you know, sort of put herself in a great position to do that. But um, she was always thinking in the back of her mind, you know. I, I watched a movie just recently called The Dawn Wall, right? It's a documentary of this crazy uh, fellow who uh, is a rock climber and he works out the way to climb up uh, the rock wall. Uh, this massive rock wall, it's like 3,000 feet high. Uh, in the Yosemite National Park, right? And he does it with this other guy. And the great thing about this is a bit of a spoiler alert, actually, but, but the great thing about the, the story is it gets to a point where his partner can't, you know, sort of get past this one part of the wall. And he, he must have had, like, I don't know, 20, 30 goes at it, fail, 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 right? And then finally, his, his buddy comes back down and says, no, I'm going to wait here until you get over that. And we're not going to get to the top until we do it together. You know, you just felt like, hey, this is wow. this is this, this is a guy who are in it together, right? Yeah. You know, he could have easily gone up and finished it. So I think that those sort of elements when people are helping other people, uh, that is, um, you know, we we it's a characteristic in humans that we really appreciate. You betcha. And I'm assuming in that movie, the Dawn Wall, that they were not. Uh, they, they must have had ropes because you don't you don't fail to to, to uh, on a climb well, they, like that twenty times without uh, yeah they have ropes but they do free climb so they're right. not using the ropes to climb but yeah they they fall <laughs> off many many times yeah. uh, they actually spent like three weeks on this one anyway I'm yeah. diverting anyway, di- let's get yeah. back to hidden figures so back to hidden figures one of yeah. the things that that's great about this this story is that it's an underdog yes it's, it's yeah. against the odds she's up against it right yep. She's up against the culture. She's up against the, you know, the attitudes. All that is is really pushing against her. So she has to do it in, in it's like a sub a subterfuge, right? Yep. At night time, after hours, etc. Another thing I like about that is kind of the when I, I I recall when I first watched the movie, my surprise at the fact that those calculations, those incredibly complex mathematical calculations, were being done manually. Slide rules, paper, pages and pages and pages and pages of of calculations that needed to be checked and rechecked, because they were being used as the basis for sending a spaceship into a, a, a spacecraft into space. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of pencil and paper there. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there's some of the re- things that um, make it work, but in terms of making it even better. Um, I, I watched a, a TED video uh, on the weekend, and it was Malcolm Gladwell talking about essentially the invention and use of a bomb site, uh, bomb sighting. Is that, how do you use that? Oh, that? so the site that they use in a bomber. Yes, to, to drop to figure bombs. Out. So this, yep. but the thing I noticed about, and he's such a great storyteller. He's a bit of a really understated sort of guy. But what he does at the beginning, which I think is really powerful, is that he gives you a snapshot image so you can picture the person, right? So he's talking about this Swiss guy. And he says he's a very upstanding Swiss guy with a Swiss moustache and, uh, you know, very, you know, he's an engineer. And it sort of builds up the character of the person a little bit. And I think in that story, you could actually... To know she was middle-aged, to know a little bit more about her as a person, I think it'd make it even better. Yeah, indeed, indeed. 
we love to know the character so yes. that we can relate to it. Yeah, so yeah. definitely making the story better by adding the character. Now, I just want to go back. You said that you're talking about Malcolm Gladwell describing the bombsite, and you said, yes. "Is bombsite is that correct?" Because you really threw me with that because that's the word, that's the term I use to describe my my daughter's bedroom. Oh, the bombsite, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, so. Go and have a look at that story. It's a really, it's a cracker. It's got a really good point at the end too. And another thing you could do is to talk about the computer, how huge it was. Yes. It was, it was like it took up a, a, the, the entire floor of a building. The room was environmentally yeah. sealed. Yeah, yeah, it was this, incredibly imposing. Yeah, all those fluorescent lights and, uh, you know, the machines sitting into this big room sort of by itself. You and, know. An enormous hum of transistors and resistors and... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So there, there's that picture of the, the com- computer, which is kind of like the antagonist in this story, right? You know, so, uh, you know, that's what she's up against. The, uh, I think the other thing that, you know, could make the story, um, you know, even better, it, it, I guess it's just how much, and this is a, a choice thing more than anything, but how much do you build the drama of the computer being the bad guy, right? I think we'll talk about this later, but I think there's an uh, is an opportunity there to build it up so that when she overcomes that, you go, okay, well that's a that's that's a big thing that she's overcome. So, so but I think you know the, I, I love the story, so it was. Uh, so there are a number these are of just ways little you, things you could do, right? Yeah. So there are a number of ways you could make that story even better. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. Now. Let's talk about application because the idea of this podcast is that we give people stories that they can use in a business situation. Yes. So what's a business situation where we might use this story? Well, I think, you know, if you were doing a leadership development program and you just wanted to give people that um, sense of what you needed to do to tackle disruption in the workplace, you know, if they've seen it in the 1960s with their computers, imagine what we see today, you know, in terms of, you know, new businesses just coming out of nowhere and becoming major competitors or, you know, whatever that disruption might be. But just her attitude. I love the fact that, A, she didn't, you know, sort of put out this, um, you know, warning to all of her staff that terrible thing was going to happen. No, she just took action and turned it around. And so she had these people, you know, sort of following her into a better better world that she was helping to create. So to me, that would be one of the areas I, I'd look to. A great example of leadership. Yeah, yeah. You could use yeah. It, yeah, you could, you, you could use it in And that. tackling disruption. Yeah. Yep. I guess there's another, ra- or there's a range of different things you could illustrate using that story. Things like the importance of taking the initiative. When something bad happens, it's how you respond to it that matters. Yes. And this, this lady chose a growth mindset. She chose to tackle this by taking it head on and doing something about it. Yeah, I guess that, and that growth mindset too. I think that in, that idea of you, could, it's important to be continually learning, right? It's not you don't sort of say, "Oh yeah, I, I did my degree, I did my training, and I'm done." It is no, you're learning all the time. She was a, you know, look, you know, from the movie, I would have picked her as a middle-aged woman, kids, you know, probably you know, eight to ten or something like that, and so. You know, she was learning a whole new computer language, you know, at that age. And that's what you've got to do. It's And and the pace of it has stepped up, you know, amount of learning you have to do. Yep. So, yeah, that'd be another one. And, and, of course, using it in an inspirational way. And, in fact, when we came across uh, the, this specific story for the first time, it was being used by a CEO as part of a, a speech. 
yes. trying to inspire people to be on the lookout for and respond effectively to disruptions. Yes. And it was an interesting story that we heard because there was uh, an outgoing CEO and an incoming CEO. And we heard about it because the, the incoming CEO called us after the event. He had a beautiful slide deck. He had a very well-crafted presentation, had a lot of effort put into it from a uh, graphic design perspective, uh, really comprehensive, lots of, lots, of, lots of graphs, lots of facts and data. But after the session, no one was talking about, about his presentation. Everyone was talking about the outgoing CEO because the outgoing CEO had told this story. And he'd said at the end, his point was, folks, there's a lot of things out there that are going to disrupt the businesses that we work with. We need to figure out how to respond to that. We need to be aware of those things that are happening. We need to figure out what's our Fortran. Think about that. What's our Fortran? Yeah, that's it. And it became a catchphrase, didn't exactly. it? Exactly. People were talking, about, yeah, what is our Fortran? And and they were sending messages on their Yammer site saying, oh, we got the t- our team together and we worked out our Fortran to be dot, dot, dot. You yeah, know, like, yeah. it was just this language that just started to build up there. The uh, incoming CEO was just went, oh my God, no one's, no one's talking about my, what I said. my presentation <laughs> at all, you know. So, And it's the difference between a really well-crafted presentation and an effective story. Now, it's not an either-or thing That's as right. well. I think this is the thing people sometimes um, mistake. They think, oh, you have to have it all story. And what about all the facts and the details and the graph? No, no. A really top-notch presenter in a business setting has those graphs, but they tell a story about them. You know, and they add other stories to add that, you know, richness and excitement and, and memorability to it. So I think, um, you know, getting that nice combination is, is vital. Indeed. It's everything in moderation. And the big opportunity for business, for people in business, is to bring a little bit more story into their communications, into their presentations. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What else? Are there any other places we would use it, Mark? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. So one thing in this discussion that's revealed to me is that it is in fact quite a versatile story. Yeah. yeah and I can absolutely. easily see, I'm running a leadership program in Kuala Lumpur next week yep. and I can easily see uh, this, story share this story being used as part of that. Yeah, good. Excellent. Okay, now... Ratings. The, yeah, ratings. I think we give this a rating. Uh, since you told it, I get to kick off. And, you know, again, you know, just remind us this 2019, you know, what do we have to remember about our ratings? I think it's about usefulness, you know, impact, uh, the ability, you know, relatability, tellability, if there's such a word. <laughs> just made that up. Um, you know, I really love this. I love actually telling stories of movies. So I'm giving it an eight. Eight out of ten. I okay. think this is a this is a cracker of a story to have in your back pocket. Put it in your story bank. Absolutely, indeed. And to do that, all you need to do is to go to the to our our blog page. There is a transcription of the story, so you can just cut and paste it straight into your story bank. Yes. Now, my rating. I, I'm I'm very tempted to give it an eight, but I don't want to seem you know I don't want to. But I will. I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, give it an I'll eight. i yeah, that's what you think it is. Yeah. Okay. I like the story. I like the overcoming, the against the odds nature of it yeah. and, its, and its versatility. And I think you can tell it pretty quickly. Yeah, good. Fantastic. Now, uh, I recommend people go out and watch Hidden Figures. Oh, yes. All right. Check that out. Well, I recommend that people go and visit our website and our events page because we have just put, we've just launched our public 
events program for 2019. And so yep. that's on our on the events page of our website. So yes. if you're interested in any of our, our events during the year, please go there. We do update it regularly as things change and uh, more things come onto the calendar. Very good. Very good. Yeah, that's going to be great. Well, I think we'll wrap things up there, Mark. That's um, that's fantastic. The um, I guess, you know, we can say now it's just, uh, fa- you know, it's great to be back here in 2019. It's great to actually, uh, you know, be back on the uh, uh, on the podcast. So thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And of course, yeah, tune in next week where we'll have another episode for you of How to Put Stories to Work. Mm-hmm.